Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Black Americans are the group of people least likely to be vaccinated against COVID-19 and those most affected by being shut out of public life by vaccine mandates. These mandates are cruel and, as the data shows, affect blacks way more than any other groups, which make them racist. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. We're (laughs) turning the corner into month 108 of the coronavirus pandemic, it seems. I want to talk about vaccine mandates. I want to talk about how they affect African-Americans. And I want to talk about how COVID-19 vaccine mandates are racist. And hear me out here. Black Americans are overwhelmingly unlikely to take the COVID-19 vaccine. I do not know why. The only thing that we can do is speculate. And the only thing that I can do is speak to, you know, my own personal experience uh, about this stuff. Um, There are lots of different reasons why lots of different types of people do not want to make personal, you know, private healthcare decisions that are, you know, mandated by the government. So, Black Americans are very unlikely to take the COVID-19 vaccine. And and I'm going to tell you why I think so. I'm going to tell you why I think there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy among African Americans. And it is because it speaks to a distrust of government-mandated science that comes from the history and the legacy of Black people in America. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the Tuskegee experiment. Now, funnily enough, this is something that not a lot of people are aware of. I did my undergrad in Syracuse University and I was in a class one time and the professor brought up the Tuskegee experiment. And I think that there may be like one or two black people in the class. Um, I may have been the only black person in that class because, you know, communications advertising wasn't a very quote unquote diverse um, major. So I was the only person in this class who actually knew what this experiment was. So I'm going to delve into it just a little bit in case you've never heard of it. And, and this is coming from an article I found. So this is going to sound a little academic when it comes to explaining what this is. But I think that these two two uh, paragraphs explain best what the Tuskegee experiment was. So starting in 1932, 600 black men from Macon County, Alabama, were enlisted to partake in a scientific experiment on syphilis. This was called the quote-unquote Tuskegee Study of Untreated Syphilis in the Negro Male. It was conducted by the United States Public Health Service and involved blood tests, x-rays, spinal taps, and autopsies of the subjects, right? The goal was to, quote, observe the natural history of untreated syphilis in black populations, but the black men that they were choosing for this experiment were unaware of it, and they were simply told that they were receiving treatment for bad blood, when in reality, they received no treatment at all. And at this point in time, even after penicillin was discovered as a safe and reliable cure for syphilis, the majority of men in this experiment did not receive it, right? So what I am saying to you and what we're talking about here is the federal government experimented on African-American men. This is American history. This is something that everybody should know. But surprisingly enough, it seems like only black people are aware of this because there are a lot of a lot of white people that are just not aware that this is a thing that happened. They're not aware that this is something that the federal government operating in the quote unquote best interests of black people did. 
So how does that correspond to vaccine hesitancy among African-Americans? Well, look, Black people don't forget about things like this, right? And so now, while a lot of the conversation around Black people in America is always about race and racism and police brutality and all of this other stuff from the left, um, there's a legacy of this stuff in this country. And I believe, truly, that this leads towards vaccine hesitancy. There are people um, in my own family, who I obviously will not name, who told me they they were like, I'm just not taking that vaccine. They said that they will 100% not take that. They, They do not trust what is in it. They do not trust the government. They are very hesitant and very unsure and, and very critical and skeptical of this big government push to take this vaccine, particularly when something is very, very highly and in, in specifically targeted and focused on black Americans. The spidey sense goes up, okay? And people are just automatically skeptical of it. And so that's what's going on. And and look, and it's not just me saying that black people don't want the vaccine. Black Americans just do not want this vaccine. And you can look at the data. This is all data from the CDC that is out there. And the reason that you're not hearing a lot about a lot of the data from the CDC that I'm about to share with you is there's a lot of reasons. First of all, the powers that be are, are trying very hard to force this vaccine on black Americans. They are trying very hard, uh, you know, to push this on us. And it is just not working because the numbers are are telling us that it's not working. And you're not going to hear enough. You're not going to hear a lot about how low these numbers actually are because it goes against the narrative. So when something goes against a mainstream media narrative, they will just shut up about it. And I'm going to share some data with you. And when I found this data, I was actually shocked. This is real life, actual data that you can Google. This comes from the, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. This is not some right wing conspiracy theory. These are just the numbers. So just 25 percent of black Americans are fully vaccinated nationwide. Again, this comes from the CDC. This is the lowest among any other race or ethnicity in America. So 33% of black Americans have at least one dose of the coronavirus vaccine, the lowest. Whites are at about 40%. Hispanic Latinos are about 40%. Asians are at about 42%. So we are the black people are the least likely to have one dose. The fully vaccinated numbers go down even more. Only 29.3% of African Americans are fully vaccinated. And this is as of this week. September 7th. So this is not data from, you know, three months ago or whatever. This is literally from this week, right? So what does this tell you? This tells you that African-Americans do not want this vaccine. And before I found this data, because this is overall data, um, there is a coronavirus tracker, a coronavirus uh, vaccine tracker that is based on race and ethnicity. Again, And I I repeat this over and over again. This is readily available data that is out there from the CDC. And this data, and when I found this, I was actually, I was really shocked that I had never heard, you know, anything about this. And so what this data does is that this breaks down COVID-19 vaccinations as a proportion 
of the percentage of the population. So case in point, if African-Americans are 25% of a population and their coronavirus vaccination rates are about 20%, then they are least they are less likely to be vaccinated against COVID-19 than their percentage of the population, right? So in virtually every state in the union, the proportion of African-Americans that are vaccinated against coronavirus, against COVID-19, are below their proportion of that entire entire state's percentage, right? So just to to throw out some numbers, Blacks are 27% of the total population in Alabama. They are 25% of those vaccinated in Alabama. In Indiana, Black people are 9% of the population. They are 7% of those who are going to get vaccinated for coronavirus or who are vaccinated for coronavirus. In Louisiana, Blacks are 32% of the population of Louisiana. They are 31% of the vaccinated population, right? And so when I saw this, I, I thought that it was very interesting and I thought it was very intriguing that this was not shared very much by the mainstream media. And what I want to do is now that you've got all of this, all of this stuff, and now that you've got all of this information, I want to break down why coronavirus vaccine mandates are racist. And I will break down exactly why they are racist after the break. Now we know that black Americans are the least likely to be vaccinated than any other population in the country. So we know this because I just spent the last 10 minutes of the segment or whatever basically breaking down these numbers. And I'm not a data analytics person. Like, I'm not a numbers person. So it's simple enough for me to understand. It's just very it's very simple, right? We are, even when you take away the state-by-state data, which I thought was completely fascinating, I find it endlessly fascinating that Black people are less likely to be vaccinated, um, or the proportions are lower than our percentages of the population of the state in virtually every state of the union, except for Maine. Maine was the only state where black people were more likely to be vaccinated in comparison to their percentage of the population. And literally, even then, it was like 2% of blacks are vaccinated and, you know, 1% of the population in in Maine is black, right? So that was the only anomaly. Everywhere else, it, it was just as I said. And so even when you don't break the data down like that, overall, blacks are less likely to be vaccinated than any other group, right? So now we have these vaccine mandates that are being pushed by people by that are being pushed, you know, by people in left the left the cities, right? Um, case in point, New York City. So I want to use New York City as my example here. So New York City is now saying that. As of early September, you have to have proof of vaccination. New York City announced this is they announced this uh, a couple weeks back, I think maybe a month ago. But this week it goes into um, into effect. So there is a proof of vaccination requirement for residents, visitors and workers in indoor spaces, including restaurants, gym and entertainment venues. This is the first of the kind in its country and and it will be enforced Right now, starting now. So what does this mean, right, about African-Americans in New York City? African-Americans in, one of the, in, in you know, the, the, the 
biggest and best and brightest and whatever city in the world that have made the personal health decision for whatever reason to not get vaccinated against coronavirus. That means that it is a racist mandate that is essentially locking a lot of African-Americans in New York City out of public life. Oh, you can't get back. You can't go to a restaurant if you're not vaccinated. You can't go to a gym if you're not vaccinated. You cannot do anything if you're not vaccinated. And then we're going to have people, you know, look at your papers and enforce it. And what this does is that this turns the restaurant owner owners and the bar managers and all of these people into people that are literally checking the papers of anybody that's coming in and out of their doors, but particularly the African-Americans who are making the decision not to get the coronavirus vaccine. So New York City data shows the city's vaccine uptake is lowest among certain demographics, particularly black residents. Black people in New York City are reporting 31 percent fully vaccinated and in, in, in the, the percentage of black people in New York is, is beyond 31 percent. So, like I said, it, it proves the point that I was making before. But these mandates disproportionately, and this is what the left says, you know, I sound like a leftist when I'm talking like this, like I sound like a liberal when I say it. But it's true because these mandates disproportionately affect black Americans in these cities. And particularly, like I said, we are using New York City as an example who have, for whatever reason, made the personal health decision not to get the coronavirus vaccine. And so these mandates are racist. It is literally the definition of racist. You know, the left loves to talk about race and racism, and they love to call everything racist, and they love to twist themselves into pretzels to explain why, you know, something is racist or, or some black person was looked at this way or whatever. This is racist. This is racist. This is racist. They are the biggest, quote unquote, defenders of the rights of, of African-Americans until the rights of black Americans to enter different spaces do not coincide with the agenda that they are trying to push. So they cannot come out forcefully against these vaccine mandates and they cannot rightfully call them racist, which they are. Because a lot of these black liberal media commentators and a lot of these people, they will push whatever agenda that the left wants them to push. So the left wants them to push a coronavirus agenda right now. The left wants them to push a vaccination agenda right now. So they will push that agenda, but they will not stand up for the rights of black Americans or any other Americans for for that matter. But we're talking about black people right now because these mandates are, are, are very racist. And they won't, talk, they won't stand up for the rights of black Americans who have made the decision not to get the coronavirus vaccine. And so what this shows them as, these are hypocrites. These are people that do not want to have um, a real conversation about this stuff because it does not fit the COVID agenda that the left is trying to push. And it's really unfortunate. And... There's a New York, New York uh, Times article about this, and I thought that it was very, very interesting. And this is a quote, and this is the New York Times did this, and, and they, you know, they published it a month ago. It didn't really go anywhere. It is called Vaccination Rates in New York City in One Major Disparity. What is this disparity? Surprise, surprise, black folks don't want to get vaccinated. They do not want it. 
And the first two paragraphs of the story, I'm going to read them to you. They're actually, they're brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Okay. Jason Clemens, a Queens resident, says he has enough to worry about. He tries to avoid cars with tinted windows or fancy rims to avoid giving the police a reason to stop him. And he ensures that he can clearly be identified as a construction worker on his commute. So he refuses to let the coronavirus dominate his list of preoccupations. I'm supposed to worry about getting sick when I go outside versus getting killed by a cop or something like that, said Mr. Clemens, 41, who is not vaccinated. And I found this particular introduction to this article completely fascinating because on one hand, they're talking to somebody, they're talking to a a black male in New York who has fully bought into the Democrat mainstream media narrative about his life being in danger by, by rogue cops, right? So he is fully bought into the idea that he needs to go above and beyond as a black American that lives in New York City to be identified and, and to not get, get stopped by a cop or whatever, because if he gets stopped by a cop, he's just going to be killed. So this is the narrative. And he's bought that hook, line and sinker, right? They don't have it. They don't need any more help, you know, pushing that narrative. But he is not buying the coronavirus narrative. He is just not buying it at all. And and I thought that that little portion of that piece from the New York Times is completely fascinating. And so this is what's going on here. And when you talk about, you know, the left and when you talk about the things that they push and you think you talk about the things that they stand up for and what they are not standing up for is they are not standing up for for the rights of these black Americans that are deciding for whatever reason that they do not want that vaccine. In fact, the left and and the powers that be and their little, you know, uh, black liberal media lackeys are basically shaming people like this guy. For making the decision not to get vaccinated. They are shaming a lot of African Americans in this country for not being vaccinated. They are shaming basically everybody. And I'm going to get into this, this narrative, this COVID narrative, where they want to make it seem as if like it's only like these Trump Republicans that are, that are not getting vaccinated. And, and I'm going to get into that in this next segment. But that is the reason why there's this huge narrative about who's really unvaccinated. And who's really unvaccinated are African-Americans. And if the mainstream media or the left or any of these people wanted to really do their job and wanted to really advocate for the rights of black Americans, they would be asking some real solid questions about why black Americans are the least likely group to get this coronavirus vaccine in this entire country. But they are not interested in that. They will not ask those questions because this is not a politically advantageous question for them to ask. This is not politically advantageous advocacy for the people on the left who care so much uh, about black lives and they care so much about black people and they're the ones that are going to protect us. But they will not even have that conversation. I think this is fascinating Black people do not want the coronavirus vaccine. They do not want to get vaccinated against this thing. And what I hope is that over the past 20 minutes or so, you have a more decent and more clear idea of exactly why black Americans are choosing to opt out 
of the coronavirus vaccine. Up next, the entirety of the news media fell for a completely false story because it aligned with their COVID politics. I will tell you what it was after the break. While we're talking about coronavirus, let's talk about the news media and let's talk about their handling of this this entire pandemic and, and everything that's going on. Their handling of it has been completely awful. It has been so highly politicized from the very beginning. And so the mainstream media, these people will elevate stories that are dubious when they align with their politics. Case in point, I want to, first of all, Let's start with with how this story came about. We'll talk. Let's talk about how anybody's talking about ivermectin. Okay, all right. So Joe Pi- Joe Joe Biden. God, I got Biden on the brain. Joe Rogan is one of, if not, was one of the biggest podcasters in the world. Obviously, the Joe Rogan experience is huge. He's got, he's got millions of listeners and a hundred million dollar contracts and all of this other stuff. It is on Spotify. All that other stuff. So so Joe Rogan came down with coronavirus. He contracted COVID. And I don't listen to, I mean, I'm aware of of, of Joe Rogan. I've I've heard some of the stuff that he says. And the thing that the mainstream media hates the most about Joe Rogan is that it cannot control him. It cannot say, you're supposed to say this, you're supposed to say that. You can't say this, you can't say that. It can, the mainstream media cannot control Joe Rogan. So, and, and this is somebody that has a very massive and very influential platform. So when he said that he contracted COVID and he said that he was on a cocktail of, of different things in order to fight COVID, because I, I believe that he said that he personally did not, does not want to take the coronavirus vaccine. He doesn't, he's not an, he says that he's not an anti-vaxxer. I don't generally like using anti-vaxxing language um, when it comes to people that are critical of the coronavirus uh, vaccine. But he said, these are his words. He says, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, I'm not anything like this. It's just not something that I want to do. So he contracted COVID. Um, and he was put on a cocktail of things in, in order to, to fight COVID. And one of those things was ivermectin, right? Ivermectin is an anti-parasite drug. And as soon as Joe Rogan said that this is one of the things that he took to, to battle COVID, it became politicized. And it became known uh, via the mainstream media, via the people who really want to control how you think about anything and the people that control their life is on the left. It became known as a horse deworming drug, right? So all the mainstream media, this is a horse deworming drug. This is used on animals. This is not used on humans, all that stuff. So that's absolutely false, right? So ivermectin is an anti-parasite drug. It is used on, on humans. It's used on animals it's in, in different doses, right? So this is not something that is not used you know, by humans. So the idea that this is... Some sort of wacko medicine that is only used on on animals is already a lie from the mainstream media. But they went all in and they had they succeeded in making the majority of people who do not think for themselves in the society believe that this is something for for horses, whatever. So Rogan said that he was on this drug, right? Blah blah blah. Use it to treat the, the COVID. He recovered from COVID. All this other stuff. So. When Joe Rogan, when somebody as influential as him says something, then it starts like this mad rush for things. So now there are all these stories about ivermectin and, and people, you know, rushing to get um, prescribed it and, and doctors don't want to do it and all of this other stuff. Right. Remember, like the same thing happened. Remember when Trump said that HCQ hydrochloroquine wasn't oh that this was something that could be used to, to treat COVID, right? And then, you know, then, of course, the mainstream media said, this is nothing, this is blah, 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 this use to clean fish tanks, all this other stuff. And then what we find out, 
um, is that HCQ is obviously, you know, it's something that is used to to treat COVID. I had a a friend of a friend, anecdotally, her father is an emergency room doctor and he prescribes it it and it actually really works. Anyway, and don't take your medical advice from me. I'm not a, I'm not a freaking doctor. Um, but anyway, so the entirety of the mainstream media felt for this story that came originally, it, it came from a local news report, but Rolling Stone shared it on, on their Twitter account. It, you know, they, they, what they did was they rewrote it and then they shared it and then all of a sudden it went crazy. And so this thing got picked up by, let me tell you the story. Before, before I tell you. Okay. So the story is, <laughs> and this is Rolling Stone. This is what they put, and they have not deleted this tweet. Gunshot victims left waiting as horse dewormer overdoses overwhelm Oklahoma hospitals, doctor says. The entire point of this this hospital is basically, um, this was an NBC Oklahoma City affiliate, basically quoted a doctor affiliated with the rural hospital system who made the claim about the hospitals being overwhelmed with patients who took ivermectin to, to treat COVID-19. So... If you are following, ivermectin was something that was politicized by Joe Rogan, much like HCQ was politicized by Donald Trump. And so now the mainstream media has turned it into this thing that it's it's a horsey wormer, it's a horse drug. You know, this is those crazy rube Trump supporters doing it. So they find this story with one dubious source that comes from Oklahoma City. Of course, it's Oklahoma. So this is the stereotype of the Rube Trump supporters who will not get vaccinated, right? So all of these things play together to to propagate a narrative that the mainstream media loves. The narrative is is that these these, uh, dumb rural hick Trump supporters that are unvaccinated are taking a horse dewarming drug. And now... They are overwhelming hospital systems because they are just being they're overdosing with this thing. And and even people that uh, that had gunshots could not get uh, get get admitted into the hospital. The only thing is that this story is completely false, completely false. They used one this this story used one source and it was this doctor, Jason McIlia. Right. And so this is. The hospital system, the Northeastern hospital system that had to release a statement that's saying that basically this is not false. And this is what they said. Although Dr. Jason McElia is not an employee of NHS Sequoia, he is affiliated with a medical staffing group that provides coverage for our emergency room. With that said, this doctor has not worked at our location in over two months. NHS Sequoia has not treated any patients due to complications related to taking ivermectin. This includes not treating any patients for ivermectin overdose. All patients who have visited our emergency room have received medical attention as appropriate. Our hospital has not had to turn away any patients seeking emergency care. All right. You ever heard the saying that a lie travels around the world before the truth even gets out the gate? Well, this lie. And it is a lie. This is not a retraction of a story. This was a lie. This was, you know, this local reporter went out searching for the own story. They, they already, and the thing about reporting nowadays is that they have a preconceived narrative. This is what this reporter obviously wanted to, to, to push. They found some hack who's probably some leftist. That, that, you know, that wants to push this idea. And it turns out to be totally false. And so this was reblogged and reposted and, and re-whatever. Rolling Stone, Insider, Newsweek, The Guardian, The New York Daily News. 
And now a couple of these people have updated with the story and a couple have not. But this happens over and over and over again with the news media. And this is how fake news travels the world. So you have so many people that heard something somewhere and they share this and reblog and it goes around the world and the Rolling Stone is gets thousands of retweets and thousands of shares and all this other stuff. And these people, these smug people on the left will look at you directly in the eye and will swear up and down that this is this. Oh, and by the way, their queen, Rachel Maddow, shared it as well. And so I bring this up and I hope that that what I've done is I've, I've sort of like giving you sort of an anthropological sort of excavation of how fake news is created. This is how fake news is created, folks. It is created by people that have an agenda. In this case, the agenda was to claim that the unvaccinated people were all crazy Trump supporters that were taking like some horse drug. And so this is how, how fake news works. This is how this operates. And like I've said before, the only way to battle fake news is to know exactly how it's generated. In this ivermectin story, which was an absolute lie that went all over the world, this is how the media uses fake news to push a coronavirus narrative in order to control you. Do not fall for it. And I don't care what sources you're using. I don't care if you're listening to me. I don't care if you're listening to Matto. I don't care if you're listening to somebody on the left or the right. Always do your due diligence when anybody tells you anything. If you're, you've listened to this whole episode, I hope that you go to Google and that you Google some of those statistics that I shared from the CDC. I hope that you go research this ivermectin story. I really do hope that you guys do because what I'm trying to do with this and especially by sharing that story, is to empower you against fake news because that is the kind of empowerment that we all need. Because God knows the media is not going to police itself. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at RobSmithOnline. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.